Shop and Maniacs. You are listening to another episode of the Shop Talk Show podcast, all about front end web design and development. I am Dave Rupert, and with me is Chris Coyer. Hey, Chris. Hey, man. You look good. You sound good. Everything's awesome. Yeah, you, uh, audio uh, people won't uh, get this, but I'm wearing a new hat. Yeah, uh, you're repping your I, town. Yeah, Austin FC. It's a soccer team or nice. football. Uh, here it, in Austin, we have it's a new, new. football team. Oh, okay. and New. The first year they got in last place oh. I think, <laughs> for the whole league. But hey, we it's great. It, it's it was actually fun. The crowd is bananas. Um, we have a cheering section and stuff like that. It, it was a good vibe. But now I do sports, so you know you might have thought of old Dave Rupert as a sports, but oh, I do it now. Yeah. When I lived back in Wisconsin, I was such a Wisconsin Badgers fan. Probably, you know, I had like a roommate who was really into it at one time. I'd go to games with them and it just was so much fun. There was so much camaraderie. I got super into it, you know, and then and then was like a sports guy for a minute and then moved away. And then, you know, I couldn't really recreate it living here out in the high desert where there's no there's no thing. But I've remained a fan and still like sign up for Hulu Live yeah. so I can watch Wisconsin Badgers football games and stuff. So I, I'm holding on to See? a thread of it. But then I got the news last year that Oregon High Desert Storm is coming. That is our local professional indoor football organization. It was their first year last year. So I immediately bought swag, bought season tickets. You know, it was a little we had to, you know, bail, you know, it was a little COVID weird, obviously. So we didn't do yeah, that yeah, much. Yeah. But but uh, but I'm glad they're here and and I'm going to support them while they're here. Just like you are, you know, you're like new sports team. Heck yeah. Sports team. I'll do sports. I'll do. I don't. Yeah. And it's, I don't know. You think about ways to kill two hours. Go yeah. to sports. Drink Go a tall boy. Get some so, cotton candy for your kid. Whatever. Yeah. It's pretty heavy on the, um, beverages. <laughs> it's, it can be a beverage free experience, obviously, but they only sell big dogs as, as they're commonly referred to. I know. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I know it's and industry events and stuff. It's a little, it's a little, you know, you you can't, it's not, you can't be just an all drinking kind of thing. But I'll tell you, I'm a bit of a drinker myself. I enjoy it. And uh, I'll be damned if I'm going to go to a sporting event and not have some, some beer skis. That's my, that's my thing. I, I'm not, I'm not even a drinker, but it's, it's fun. And then you see the, the kids, the 20 year olds, oh, to be young and have enough money to afford sports <laughs> tickets. That was not my situation, but they are having a time. Oh, those boys, those boys are just romping yeah. around with their shirts off, swinging them in the air. They are having a time, those boys. <laughs> so. Oh, fantastic. I thought we'd do a bunch of Q&A. A bunch of you have, have heard our call and sent in questions and topics and things for us to talk about. I have a couple, I don't know how, just the serendipity of the land that are all related to each other. So I thought we'd kick out those first. A little WordPress stuff. Something so if you totally don't care about that, skip ahead a little bit. But I find it all very fascinating, of course, as someone who owns and operates a couple of WordPress sites, including Shop Talk Show itself. WordPress site. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, the block editor is just inescapably a big deal. I think the biggest news in it lately is that they've been pushing forward towards this thing called full site editing. Have you have you heard anything about that, Dave? Uh, is that just that like every piece of the site is a block? Pretty it, much, like, yeah. And, and I, I haven't tried it really myself, but I'm following the news and stuff. I I do think it's a good idea. Um, but are you editing 
in the blog, like in the admin section, or are you like clicking divs on the kind of still in the admin section, although it looks quite a bit different because it's, uh, it's just, you know, there's more to do. Uh, Like clicking divs on the homepage is great, but it just, I don't know, from a client service thing, that's when it can get really messed up. So, yeah, I almost like that WordPress has drawn the line there generally and that they don't offer that front end. There's always a separation between the admin experience and what the site produces. Mm-hmm. And I think that was, it's probably a smart thing to maintain. And I think that's maintained here, but it, what, what it is, you know, I know I'm not probably talking about this as intelligently as I could, but it is a very big difference in that you don't even necessarily have like a single.php file anymore and a page.php in, the, in those type of traditional like re- representations of what pages are because those are now ma- built and managed in the admin itself. So a theme can be just a handful of files, like a style.css file, because there's that's, you know, forever. That's what almost Post. like defines a theme is that it has this this CSS file with a bunch of metadata at the top of it. And then there's this new file called theme.json, and it's like an expression of kind of like design tokens kind of and like what, what you know, information okay. about what's important in your theme design-wise. And that's highly used then in uh, this kind of full site block editor thing. And I think you, you know, themes can, are very light and the amount of files that they have and the rest of the theme is on you to to craft in the admin itself so seems cool to me it seems like power you know you don't have to use it but it unlocks some kind of powerful possibilities you know i think the more that they can offer in the admin itself that where you don't have to you know chopper in a developer to work on it that there's some intuitive way to go edit stuff. You know how awkward it is to have like, oh, you can control the blog post, but if you need to change anything in the footer, you know, call in a developer because that's in some PHP file somewhere. I mean, I'm guilty of the like, well, I can, yeah, you can write as many blog posts as you want, but if you want to change the homepage or move one of those things in the sidebar uh, (laughs) of the about page, that you have to call me. You have to you have to bother me. And then I can't do it for twelve weeks. Yeah. And you know how awkward has it's been where you're like, well, okay, maybe I'll design the 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 theme to use widgets because widgets were a thing in WordPress. And then though that offered a widgets, little bit yeah. of UI where you could drag them around a little bit. And then there's menus and menus you can like handcraft in there too. And then you just output the menu. And that gives some people some control. And all those things are not bad, I don't think, but they're not now that there's a block editor, I think there's probably too much technical debt. It's like, can we throw those things away and just be like, all these things are blocks and those blocks are what you drag around. The overhead to explain that to a client was pretty high too. It was like, I mean, we got into the business of like recording videos about how to drive your mm. WordPress, you know? I, I, what was that? There's a product that did that too, like Life. I think it was highly successful too. Lifeguard HQ or There's something. It had a little life guard lifesaver anyway um it would put videos in the admins if your client had a question on how to do something there's a video two clicks away or one click away yes please yeah i mean because because you know whatever i'm ghosting them i'm busy or whatever um i i just this yeah I, i wonder if you could just get away with the like get rid of those i mean yeah, yeah, maybe. I don't know. And with mobile now too, you know, mobile's such a big power player. Like we we probably, you know, why why even sidebar? 
why are we doing sidebar? You know, they, they're still valuable. And I think there's interesting blocks that have enabled, like, like you know, WP query or whatever, that, pop, pop, you know, that major API that's mm-hmm. like query for anything, essentially. Give me posts of this tag and give me 15 of them in reverse order and blah, blah, blah. I think there's a block so now, WP like query a beautiful block. query block that, you know, allows you to put whatever content, which I think is very smart. Yeah, I might need to revisit WordPress. <laughs> Get one. I guess we have one here at Shop Talk, but but the block editor it remains highly contentious. It's all it's this it's synonymous with the word Gutenberg. So that they still use the word Gutenberg because development of the block editor still happens in a plugin called Gutenberg that runs ahead of time. You know, so if you want the latest and greatest, you use that plugin. I'm off it. I don't. I don't want to run latest and greatest. I want to run stable. Uh, but people still refer to it as Gutenberg, so we might use those words interchangeably. Certainly some, um, for lack of a better word, haters out there. I don't even mind using the word because I feel like some of the criticism that you hear is like, I don't, you're not like articulating it very well. Like, I don't know what you hate about it. It just sounds like you hate it. Why are you mad? Some of the recent yeah, drama yeah. I've read is that it's not very good for writing, just like writing, like a book or even a blog post. Is that I just disagree because I've written a crap load of blog posts in it, and the second I could, I liked it. So I don't – it doesn't jive with me, but I'm not a, I'm not a book writer. I'm a blog writer, and I – I – Yeah. Okay, yeah. I will – I so – you know, my experience is in Notion, another block editor of some kind. Same criticism um, I've heard there, too. Yeah, it, It's a little bit like I start typing and then it's like, oh, you want to, like, do that? You know, you, it, it starts, like, inferring what, I, like, I type an at symbol and it's like, great, let's link up another page guy. It's like, well, I was going to type a Twitter handle. Oh, I'll look for him. In your list of users, you want me to invite them? And it's like, no, no, no. I was just saying a Twitter handle, you know, um, it, stuff like that. It, like it just sort of, or if you, you know, start a thing with a quote or whatever, it might like start a block quote or something. And, you know, there's a few tinkers that that don't really work. Like, you know, but some of it's unique to me or, or like if I link something is I have to highlight the whole entire word to like change the link, you know, that's really frustrating. There's no like right click change link with it, but I'm again, I'm getting nuanced here is there's some little frustrations that I experience, And but, even if they are just little still, then why deal with them at all? Like why not just not use it to write then and use something that's more designed for writing and then bring it over. I'm not suggesting you do that. I, I think there is, well, my, my trade-off is one I can say I've thought about it a lot. <laughs> I've thought about my blogging process quite a bit, Chris. Um, it is that like I have or I get organization. So that's 100% the trade-off. Like I can organize my thoughts. I can tag them, my thoughts. I can um, drafts. And, and I'm talking magnitude of like 100 drafts at all at right. once, you know. So I can like organize them. I can... Um, and I can like drag and drop whole blocks of, of section content. If I feel like it's going weird, you know, I don't have to like copy paste and then like chain, you know, my ADD makes me copy paste something else. I lost a whole paragraph or page or something. So I can do everything kind of just in, in a consistent interface, you know, it's a little, it's a step up from markdown maybe, you know, but, um, so 
and I'm not just don't have a hundred files in a folder, which would be like another markdown editor, you know, would be hundred files in a folder. That doesn't help me. So did you do the obsidian thing or not to, to take this too far outside? I, I haven't not, I haven't jumped on the obsidian train. I no, I'm a notion person, no shade to the obsidian folks, but I actually don't want to program my outbrain, you know, like I just want to dump so things into there, you know? Yeah. And, I thought I could try it because I do use this app called Bear, and I just use it for, like, real quick notes, but I want them to be synced, and, I like, I'm not... It's almost like I'm not ready for Notion, which is silly because there's private pages in Notion, and I could use it for the same kind of thing, but to me, there's some kind of disconnect where Notion feels a little groggy, and sometimes when I'm in note mode, I just want to, like, click an icon, and I better be writing a note, like in one second and I don't care I don't care where to put it I don't want to pick the right workspace I don't want to think I just need notes I need notes right now I'm on a call yeah yeah and I think they have a little bit of that but you need to know like on the mobile app there is like a just a new thing and it'll dump into a thing called notes which is cool but you know the chance it dumps into the wrong folder is probably also there you know so This episode of Shop Talk Show is brought to you in part by Markup. That's markup.io. Links in the show notes, of course. Markup is the leading visual commenting platform for live websites, images, PDFs. Imagine you just like, you need to invite some people to have some feedback on this thing. Sure, maybe it's a website in staging or whatever. It could just be an image of a design or a PDF of a design. Whether you're designing the project from ideation or putting the finishing touches on the build, Markup is the perfect tool to get your team together. So invite as many people as you want. Uh, They join as a member, a full guest, and then they get to view the thing you're sharing with them, create stuff, and resolve comments. So if they're like, oh, this, you know, this blue is not on brand, or this font should be tracked in a little bit about what about this missing part over here, that gets the team together, gets sign off on these designs. You know, it's the leading tool for that markup.io. Go from design to build to publish without losing your mind in the process. Markup will save you time and you'll save the day. Well, okay. Enough asides. We have a, uh, a topic here from Jonathan Land, who does articulate some issues he has with the block editor. He says, I get that Gutenberg is great for blogs you design and develop yourself, e.g. CSS tricks. So, hey, fair enough, Jonathan. I freaking love the block editor, and it's very good for CSS tricks. So, But, yeah, I'm not thinking holistically about all sites in the world there. He also says, I'm sure it's lovely for non-technical do-it-yourself authors. You know, opens the door for some fancier stuff, perhaps for people who don't write code, which I'd also agree with. But for client work, I'm getting increasingly frustrated with the totality of it, especially on sites that aren't blog focused. WordPress was always a little limited for these with poor support for custom fields natively and such. Uh, But now that you either need to design the website in a very modular, read less focused way to potentially uh, support essentially anything, or you fight against the platform and you smash in the classic editor plugin and hope it doesn't go away one day or whatever. So to Jonathan writes, it feels to me that Gutenberg is intended to fight the square spaces of the world and that WordPress is on course to become increasingly less suited to professionals. Mm. Hmm, hmm, hmm. Okay. Hmm. Um, I don't know. 
Like, what do you, what can you not do now that you used to be able to do better before? That's my big question is like, was it, is somehow that if there was no blocks, somehow that's more focused and better. My, I guess my criticism is like, I don't feel limited now. And I am just, you know, I'm speaking of just from my own experience. I don't do a lot of client work. It seems like whatever you could do before, you can still do now. Like it didn't, we didn't take anything away. What's, yeah, what what is missing from the product? I mean, that's sort of WordPress's deal is it it is... GPL, so literally if something changed bad and you don't like it, you can <laughs> steal it and fork it or whatever. Um, but the I, I would wonder what you can't do anymore inside of it. Maybe it's just the what's becoming easy to do. Does that make sense? Like every, if everything's sort of driving towards block editing, you know, you're not going to get a, a cool stripe payment widget for your sidebar, you're going to get the block stripe block widget or something. Does that make sense? You're getting the stripe block instead of the stripe widget. Right. Yeah. Maybe that's like the issue, like, like communities is kind of heading that way. Yeah. He he did say that the totality of it, like it's everywhere. And now, now widgets are blocks too, or whatever it's headed that direction. Um, Yeah. I don't know. Well, this is related, though, to Brody's question here. So I'll read that, too. He says, hi there. Um, I'm building out a WordPress site using advanced custom fields, custom Gutenberg blocks, slash timber and twig templates, and it's working great, but I'm not sure how to bring my site styles into the WordPress admin. Let's get into that. But it's interesting that Brody writes that then uses ACF, which is like just super widely used in WordPress land. And I think that's what in a lot of cases, because um, Jonathan mentioned, you know, professional use. To me, it seems like if you're mm-hmm. in professional town in WordPress, you're an ACF because you, you need to. Be, you're working with clients and saying what data matters to you. Then you model out that data and ACF, and then you apply it to templates, so that you're giving them the mm-hmm. perfect CMS experience. Right. Like this is your data. And I think that's it works the same way as it did before. So it's not worse. It just now has if you want to make custom blocks too, somehow they just figured out an incredible way to do that where you can scope out your block as a as ACF fields and, and kind of model it out as a block in a way that native WordPress didn't nail. And I always thought it was so, I don't know, maybe that's too harsh, but it seems to me ex- exactly the opposite thing happened in WordPress land, whereas the way that you build a blocks in ACF feels very native WordPress-y like. And that's what, mm-hmm. t- in my mind, maybe should have made it into the platform first is this like that their way of doing it. But the native platform way is like, oh, bring your own React build process stuff. It seems like that should be like super advanced. Like that's the really cool, fancy way to build blocks. But there's just a default PHP way to do it too. But no, ACF mm-hmm. is what brings the really like simple, easy PHP-based way of building a block. And uh, anyway, that's just a little aside. It just seems so odd that you have to buy the third-party product to make it easy. Yeah, it is. Um, I, I like ACF, but it, there's it. It's a uh, it's like unstructured data versus structured data too. Like like WordPress is sort of 
like we just have a a big editor. You just type blocks in there. It's sort of unstructured, however you want to yeah. do it, you know. But ACF is like, okay, here's actually an actual data model. Like this field needs to be this input, this, you know, like. I, I, we did that. We do that at Chop Talk Show where each show that we publish is not free form at all. In fact, there's the, mm-hmm. the, we don't really use the block editor because the block editor w- would ultimately represent itself as just the text of a post. But really, mostly when you publish a podcast, it's a bunch of metadata. The title, the running time, the URL to the MP3. The transcript. The Yeah. Like, so it's like there's not that much. It's not that useful to have. I don't know. In our current design, the block editor isn't particularly useful. I don't mind having it turned on or whatever. We just don't like embrace the blockness <laughs> just yet. But in full form blog posts, I do it all the time. I'm like, I need some columns. I need a slider. You know, I need a you know an image with a caption here and a video. But the you know, I don't know. I just there's I use a million a million blocks when I block. Here's my special code block and all that stuff. And it feels just wonderful to me that I have these abstracted blocks in which to build pages from. But that's blogging, and that's just a different different world. No, I mean that's just it. Uh, like uh, blocks are a really interesting concept, just in in how you. I don't know, just maybe that's the future is everything's a block editor. I don't know that it's, it's, it's interesting as to long think as about they nail that writing experience. Cause like, that's been, that's been in the, the WordPress drama zeitgeist lately too, is that is WordPress, you know, like I mentioned, is it really designed for writing? And if it's not, isn't that weird? <laughs> you know, like you'd think they, they probably should continue to make it great for writing and, and somehow still, you know, thread the needle and make it good for site building and stuff too. But that's tricky. That leads us to another question from Morgan Rowe. Well, maybe we'll circle back a little bit to, to Brody. You were asking about admin styles. So, But Morgan is asking about like WYSIWYG editors out there generally in the world. Um, not, not has an, yeah. this question has nothing to do with WordPress or the block editor necessarily, but like, what are they? What are, what are other options for editors? Yeah, here I can read it. Have you, either of you looked into any HTML generating WYSIWYG editors recently? I'm looking for one that's, uh, perfect, preferably written in vanilla JavaScript easily and easily extendable in my case. Uh, in case my users want to bestow control implemented, you know, everyone knows the, like, I need a whatever, the cat button to put a cat photo in. Uh, I found Pell, which is uh, uh, um, looks like a GitHub link here. Uh, however, it uses document.exec command. Yikeronis, which according to Mozilla is now de- deprecated. Oh, That's interesting. Yeah. Well, don't use that. Maybe. Uh, yeah, my only other experience uh, working with WYSIWYG editors is TinyMCE. Right. Um, which... Uh, seems far too feature rich for uh, my needs these Famously days. Famously part of WordPress uh, for a have, long time uh, until the block editor came along. Yeah. Do you have any recommendation? That's Morgan from. Wales. You know, Tiny MCE um, is really still going hard. I think though, so they're out there. I think that that is a yeah. that is an option. It's worth looking at. I think. Yeah, I mean, and I think there's wasn't there like a slim version at some point? I feel like there was. I, you know, I was kind of looking down this path and I'm trying to find the links, right? Of course. Um, it, which, what, what link app did I put it in? You know, well, look for um, it for a minute. Here's but, a, here's just a couple. 
just to do a list. Yeah, Slate.js.org. Check it out. Feels like somewhat modern take on these things. There's Prose Mirror, pretty somewhat popular. It's from the same dude as Code Mirror, but this is designed more for, you know, writing copy, you know. But I would I would absolutely use this and have used this in the past. It's a nice API and just feels like pretty, pretty modern take on it. Um, but then think about, though, this thing called blocks that we've said a million times in this podcast already. I don't think Slate or ProseMirror are block-oriented, meaning they're more like Microsoft Word. You know, they're just paragraphs and you type, and sometimes that can feel just great for writing. And I think there is a whole sect of people in the world that really prefer that. Like, even the way that you select text and stuff feels more natural. There's a lot of people in the world that have just good muscle memory for that and how that works. But there's starting to be this kind of like revolution of editors that the fundamental nature is a block instead of just one big text area kind of vibe. One one example that is editorjs.io. It's the big kind of open source editor that's, you know, it's in those same categories, but is block-based meaning that you know each Ooh. block is has a type and you can change the type and you can drag the blocks around and i think you know i think people are starting to understand it that's that kind of notion feel to it but there's a lot of apps out there that are taking that block style approach to to, to writing things and i think it in my opinion is kind of taken over like this is the way kind of vibe but so what's this is the way what what's the output then? It, it's just a blob of yeah. JSON. So then that's what instead of like whatever post dot body or text or something, you have post dot JSON blob. <laughs> right. And it's on you to then iterate and output. If if you if your goal then is to get like, you know, whatever, body dot content dot inner HTML equals it's not as easy as it's not a string or it's not HTML, but I, you know, I, I, I would think I haven't looked deeply into this one an example, but I bet there's API internal APIs that are like help you with getting HTML out of it if that's what you want or whatever, or if there isn't, it, you would write a helper method and now you have one. You know, it can't be that hard. Yeah, I, I wonder if this is the thing I saw. I, I was looking in view, you know, I'm. Just whatever. I, I there's a site made with Vue.js. It's .com. It's pretty cool. Um, but it has just all these plugins and extensions, and um, you know, kind of, and it puts a little GIF of how it works and cool. stuff like that. So you're, it's like uh, well curated, I guess I want to say. Um, and so it's just you know, I, as I get into Vue more, I just was like, oh, maybe I could just use some of these to like you know, like say, get some shortcuts and stuff like that. Uh, sometimes that helps and sometimes it doesn't, but, um, uh, but they have quite a few, I feel like I, I went down this path. Was this, so you found a view based one. Yeah. I found a view based one that I obviously was built on some open source one, but I think it was probably editor JS and, um, and, but in a view wrapper, but yeah, it's always, it's always curious to me, like what these things end up dumping out you know like that that's kind of a interesting uh oh no interesting 
I guess, technical detail that you need to know about these things is, is sort of what what do I type in and what does it spit out, you know, and, and then how do I save that? So. Right. And that's pretty high level. It sounds like Morgan has thought even deeply are about that. Like I need it to be extensible, right? So you need to be able to add a button that does something specific. Well, that's great. Like, is there an API? Is there visual controls at all in the editor you're looking at? And if there is, you know, what do the APIs look like for adding that button? And then sure, there'll be a callback when the button is placed. But what if that is like, you have some pretty specific needs for what it does, you know, like you need to parse mm-hmm. the blocks and find any instance of the word cat and, you know, make it spelled K-A-T-T-T or something. <laughs> that means that you need, a- the APIs need to be available for, you know, looking through existing blocks and all that, you know, there, there's probably a thousand methods, I feel like, in Code Mirror, which is the one I'm most familiar with because of CodePen, you know, that we've used for ages. I don't know, a mm-hmm. thousand might be too many, but there's a freaking lot of APIs, you know? Yeah, I, I found the one yeah. I was looking at. It's called tap, tap, <laughs> tap, tip, tap, sorry, tip, tap, dot, dev. Huh. Um, and it's a headless WYSIWYG and written in vanilla JS and, and has a view wrapper. Uh, yeah. um, it's, it's not blocks exactly, I don't think. But, yeah. um, but this is probably what I would go with just if I need like an editor WYSIWYG. I mean, because some people need that. On, and, you know, some people need, they don't know Markdown, so they need this. You know, and some people don't know, you know, don't know how to bold text unless there's a bold button you know some people don't know how to hit command b or you know control b you know like so and and you as a developer also do not want to code those things so um, so so these are pretty cool um i don't know how extensible this one is if you need it that's the trick is sometimes design is like a weird cheat code like this one looks really nice this tip tap dot dev one and it's like but is it actually nice you know like maybe that maybe the design is I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's fantastic, right? But then you look at like the editors for, I don't know, like CKE editor or whatever, and you're like, oh, this is so mm-hmm. old school. Do I even want to go here? It doesn't look as modern. It doesn't look as nice. But it's also been around for like 15 years, so maybe it's just way better to work with. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they've had they've hit all five thousand problems of the, you know. Um, Oh, but I I like this editor JS if I was going blocks, you know. Um, I would think that'd be a good early choice to make. Like, do you want something block based or not? Yeah, I, I do say yeah. That's probably the choice because like if you head down this block based thing, like then now you're just a Notion club, <laughs> and, you know, or whatever the new Microsoft Quill or whatever it's called. Wow, did Microsoft get a lot of crap for that? Wow. Hashtag hot drama. I actually. Uh, this is Dave, uh, whatever, Microsoft fanboy Dave Rupert. No, um, they, uh, hashtag ad. No, they, um, I, I always think it's interesting when somebody's like, does a flex like that. Like, they're like, hi, we just rebuilt your whole product, you know, basically, you know, and, and they kind of did it with like teams to Slack, you know, um, and not to, this is definitely hashtag hot drama, but I, I think, I don't, you know, I'm sure it's like going to be Microsoft-y and there's going to be one weird thing about it that you just, I can't use it because of that, you know? Um, like like Teams felt more like email to me than it did, than it does 
like Slack feels like a chat room. Teams feels like a new email inbox. And I think that's from the culture that built it up. Like Microsoft's very email oriented. Um, hence Outlook and stuff like that. Um, but I, I, so I wonder what the vibe is inside that notion clone. Uh, but I do think it's worth noting Microsoft has developed enough of a design language where they can Slap just out a product like duplicate that. your product without even thinking about it. You know, that's pretty frightening. So I don't know. <laughs> uh, so. I don't know how mad I felt like it only because they're not, it's not, there was a lot of like, Oh, way to copy notion, but like notion has been copied six ways to Sunday already y'all in a long time already. Like there's, there's Notion, and then there's one called Coda. Have you seen that one? Like Coda.io. It's very yeah. similar. You know what? So I, I've played with Coda. Um, I will say what's cool about Coda is it can import data sheets from somewhere else. So they, they're kind of like, oh, you want to, we can actually like import an Excel or like your whole Jira queue and stuff like that. So I think there's, like that's cool. Like it can use other data sources, not just itself, which is kind of notions or limitation. Uh, Microsoft or no Google had like Google Table. Do you remember that? It was kind of like a, a spreadsheety, but you could make different visualizations or something. So I think it was a Google Table. Um, but then they were like, it cost ten bucks a month. And people were like, no, <laughs> tables, Google Tables, yeah. Um, like a Airtable, yeah, they're like, thing. yeah, Airtable, right? So that obviously cloning happens all the time. But let me keep going. So we talked about Notion, Block Editor, original, kinda. I think they at least had there's plenty of innovation that they brought to the table. Encoda. Then there's one called Clover, CloverApp.com. Then there's Nuclino, Nuclino.com, um, Slight, Slight.com. Craft, not to be confused with Craft CMS. It's just called Craft. This is a native Mac app. Um, all six of those, they're just they're block, they're blocks, block editor all day long, block and they editor. all have a slash command that opens up which blocks that they support, and then you pick one and make a block. That's six just right there, you know. So the fact that mm -hmm. Microsoft comes along and makes a seventh, and I'm sure it's really like the 18th or something. I don't know every app in the world. It seems like pitting. I mean, they are the big guy, so they're very much not above criticism, you know. But still, like, there's something in the water with block editors. So. There's something in the water. Yeah, they're they're following trends, and that's not illegal. I think they like their their thing is like, I, I think it's just interesting they're able to do it. So like, you know, you think my impression of Microsoft was like, I mean, it'll take a hundred years and it'll be garbage <laughs> when it comes out, sort of, you know, but. I think new Microsoft is very different. So it's, and it's probably going to be bundled in office 365. And so now it's just like your company that uses outlook is going to have it. So, you know, that's, that's what happens. Whoa. This, this Clover one is kind of wild. This, 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 these visualizations are wild for a minute. I was, you know, sometimes it's interesting to fantasize about what, what you would build if you were like, all right, all responsibilities in my life have vanquished, you know, I'm going to make a new startup with all my time 
and be like, I don't know. I think there's something. <laughs> I'm like, how about Notion clone? Yeah, okay. Because <laughs> I, lo- I love that Notion so much that I would want to I'd want to do that. I mean, that's what CodePen is, right? It's not like we had an original idea there. We riffed on what was the already there. Yeah, no, I think that's pretty normal. But yeah, no. You try a hand at, and and you're you're a blogger. You you blog a lot. Like there's maybe a potential to, like, build something tailored to bloggers. You know, like, uh, some, like, and this goes to WordPress. It can generate a markdown file, and then yeah. That would be interesting though. Like, forget full site editing. That's not what we're going for. We're like, like to, to remain a hundred percent focused on the content of one particular blog post. What would you build then if you had no, no other master to serve? Hmm. Mm. Mm. To circle back to Brody just for a minute though, he was asking about you know advanced custom fields. He's building sites like that, but wanted a way to bring site styles into the WordPress admin, which that's what starts to give WordPress that feel. And a lot of other CMSs do this too. I think it's relevant to any CMS. Like how do you make the editor experience inside the admin look like the outside? And I think it's tricky and you have to apply a lot of, taste to it because I don't think you want to just like share a style sheet between them because then you're going to be fighting one or the other because the admin's going to have its own pile of CMS that that or pile of CSS that applies to it and you kind of want to let that be and if you're going to style inside that admin a little bit then just do it lightly in ways that help the authoring experience but aren't trying to a hundred percent mimic what the front end of your site looks like. So I think what's been common that you see in themes is that, you know, there is an admin style sheet for themes and it just like applies the same fonts to the editor. It might have a little bit of extra pizzazz in there that kind of mimics what the final blog post is going to look like. And I think it's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. I like it. I've gone, f- I've I've gone really, really light, where I just do absolutely nothing at all. Then a little bit of like just apply a little bit of style. That's kind of what I do on CSS tricks. I have one style sheet, and anything I want to share between both of them, I have a, a SAS mixing or SAS file sitting there called shared CSS between front end and admin. It's a really verbosely named file. And all I put in that is mm-hmm. mixins. So it doesn't generate any CSS itself. It's just at mixin and then some chunk of CSS. And the point of that is then in my style sheet from the front end of the site, I call that mixin. And in my admin style sheet, I call that mixin. So it's a shared piece of code, but I'm being very selective about what I share between the two worlds. No, I think that's the like, that's the magic sauce. Is how do you just just provide enough of a enough of a, a vibe, enough of a je ne sais quoi that captures the spirit of the site. So. And then I've done it way too far <laughs> on the code pen side. I tried to basically mimic it entirely, and it's kind of fun to go around and make a landing page that's like looks exactly like the front end does, but it doesn't quite look. I just like took it too far, and I kind of regret it. Well, and the the curse there is four or five front end changes later, your editor doesn't work. You know, like like you just, you know, poor poor Marie can't edit the editor, edit the homepage. You know, like, yeah, because the way that it expresses columns internally or something is different to the CSS that you're using for columns on the front end or something, and and it's you know 
It's grid fighting Flexbox and uh, war. All right, well, good luck, Brody. I'd say take a light touch. You know, look at what other themes are doing. It's kind of neat. This episode of Shop Talk Show was brought to you in part by Netlify. Jamstack, hostess with the mostest, you know, they, uh, uh, your, your site is kind of like static, right? When it's hosted on Netlify, meaning there's no like PHP behind it or something, which might be the thing that you lean on to like process a form or something. Well, guess what? You don't need PHP to process a form. Netlify will do that for you because they know that's the kind of thing you need. You shouldn't have to like have to run a backend server language just for something simple like that. So it's so cool on Netlify, you have a form attribute, you know, you just craft your HTML form and just put data Netlify equals true on it. And then and Netlify is like, I got this. I will pro- when that form is submitted, I'll take over and I'll handle it for you. And then in the slack in the Netlify admin, you're like, oh, that's cool. Actually, send me an email whenever that is submitted. And it does that. And you can see the submissions in Netlify as well. But also, if you're like, oh, can you actually like hit this Slack channel with the data in it? Because really there's like a team of four of us and we should all see it. So just do it that way. That'd actually be the easiest. Oh, no problem. It's like one click away in the Netlify admin. So nice. Or you're like, actually, this is programmatic. If you could, on the submission of it, send a webhook, like a post web request to this other server with that data, that'd be useful. Oh, that's another click away in Netlify. So it's just one. One of the little features that makes Netlify awesome. You have this super powerful hosting and the fact that it's static unlocks all the great stuff like developer previews, which is like my favorite feature ever. But you don't have to give up any of the power of a dynamic website. Forms being a big part of that. Netlify's got the forms thing. Unlock! Well, you know who wrote to me the other day, Dave? (laughs) Way back. Let's see. Uh, I'm going to find the date because I think it's relevant. It's a long time ago. In fact, when I brought this up in our Discord, um, people are like, oh, I don't remember that episode. Well, it's because it's a long freaking time ago now. March 24th, 2014, Trip Back in Time. We did a special on this very podcast called Special One-on-One with a Hacker. The backstory to this was that I was literally hacked and in a very dangerous way, like this domain name, css-tricks.com was taken from me and it was pushed through different domain registrants and stuff in a very like scary, like, oh my God, I just lost my domain kind of way. And it happened through, as we learned, by literally talking to the hacker on this show, you know, social manipulation techniques, you know? And, mm-hmm. and, and it was, it was questionable whether we should have a hacker on the show. We talked about it before and cause it's kind of like giving airtime to the bad guy. Like why, why do that? You know, why reward the bad behavior? But, you know, we tried to take care to, to, I don't know, to make sure that it was an educational thing. And, you know, it's not like we do it all the time. So there's that. And it was a big and deal episode, you know, it was something like he was just hunting around for bitcoins that he's trying to crack Bitcoin wallets back in 2014, which, um, and then he found this, well, yeah, he found this like exploit in, uh, in, in media temple. And then like, then like grabbed a handful of domain names, I feel like, or, or yours and specifically, I think maybe there's another hack that swept up a bunch of other ones, but yeah, then he got yours. And so, yeah, 
Yeah, it was kind of going around for a minute. But anyway, it turned out the guy's like a legit criminal. Like not, it wasn't just a crime of opportunity or anything. He's like made a life out of being an online criminal for him. And we, you know, we talked about all that. So feel free to go back and listen to that. It was a pretty, you know, it was a pretty widely shared big deal episode back in the day. And I'm sure it's interesting now. I mean, we had to talk over, you know, it was all very anonymized with a voice, you know, what do you call that? Anonymizer, I guess. I'm... I'm yeah, Earl wrong. Drudge was the so. <laughs> moniker he went behind. So I get an email from Earl all these years later. Said, you know, I don't know if you remember yeah. me, but, wow. you know, I just randomly checked out your site. I'm happy to see you're doing well, still doing the show, blah, blah, blah. Just writing to know that he, he was an apology. You know, sorry for any trouble I caused. I'm older now, more mature. It's, you know, it's long overdue that I wrote to apologize kind of thing. Sorry for all the headache, blah, 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 you know, which was nice. And I, of course, forgave him. I mean, it's long water under the bridge now. And, you know, in the end, I, I was able to, I didn't lose anything, you know, I was able to get companies to fight on my, mm. beha- my behalf to get it back. I mean, I went to war because I needed to, you know. But then, you know, so the apologies, and then we chat for a little bit over email, but, and, and was like, yeah, it's interesting. We're so similar in so many ways. We could have been friends in some way, which, you know, who knows? Maybe that's true. But then find out that he's, I'm like, you know, still, what, what are you up to? And it's like, you know, crime. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. Online well, crime. Maybe yeah. not friends then. You know, I try to, usually my criminal friends drop by the wayside eventually, you know. <laughs> <laughs> It was a lot of years of crime. Stop criming. Yeah. Well, all right, Earl. You know, turn it around, but there's just yeah, thanks, Earl. And it's worth noting, Earl is a anagram for drug dealer. Oh, so. I see. Earl Drudge. It's not even a particularly clever one, yeah. right? If you Google Earl Drudge, it's a million people using that for. Yeah. So. Well, thanks for writing in, Earl. Always good to check in on old uh, friends and adversaries. <laughs> yeah. <of indeed>. <laughs> Um, yeah. Uh, hey, here's a good one uh, from a friend of the show and member of the d- 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 Discord, Mel Sumner, writing in about accessibility. Uh, what do you think it will take for devs to focus on accessibility? Is it really a matter of mindshare? Like, e.g., blind people wouldn't use the internet, you know, if they couldn't, you know, uh, education. I don't know how to do it, and it seems hard. Or work priorities. My boss just wants us to ship uh, only features. Uh, I'm always wondering what the real reason is. Yeah, like wh- what's the deal? Like we all know people's people suck at accessibility. Why? Why is that? Why are 98.1% of sites ex- inaccessible or something? 97.6, maybe a better. Yeah, and Mel wants to know what the real reason is. Like, why is it so bad? I have thoughts. I'd love to hear your thoughts before I go off, but I don't know. Maybe it's just because you design for yourself and there's more people that are, you know, and maybe some snowballing, right? Like the tools to make websites are designed for people that don't have any accessibility needs necessarily, right? Like a, like a, like a, all these code editors we have, like how, how easy are they really to use to build a website, you know? So th- the fact that the tools are built for somebody who's sighted and has, you know, for quote unquote normal working fingers and, and all that. So we build a website and then we build it for ourselves. And if it's got CCC text on white, oh, I can read it just fine. So you're just, you're building a website for yourself and not really thinking about what other people to do. I, I guess that seems like probably the biggest factor that I can think of is 
just aren't thinking about other people. Just like the like bias, you know, on, on kind of like works on my machine, but works on my body, you know, <laughs> like sort of. Um, yeah, I, I think that's part of it. I think um, if you take it like one step further and you know, oh, wait, we have to do a better job. Oh, wait, we need like time and budget to like go do this. Like, I think that's where it gets tricky is because not everyone's on that not everyone's made that moral leap yet. Um, and so now it becomes a, you have to convince people to give up their plans, you know? And so I think you're hitting another like bias of like, you can't tell me what to do bias. I think this oh. is that, <laughs> what, what we had David uh, uh, Thomas on the show, or David Dylan Thomas um, talking about biases a long time ago, but um you know, there's this bias of like, you can't tell me what to do, you know, but, but people have to give up something in order to get accessibility sometimes just, just if you're going to retrofit it or whatever, um, you know, new work going forward, you can always mandate, put a stick in the sand. Like this has got to be accessible. It's got to meet these standards. Mm -hmm. Um, larger picture. Can I go a bit larger and more controversial on this show? Yeah, oh. but but before you do, it's interesting that like, why is it? Does it have to be more expensive to build an accessible feature? Isn't that a symptom of the fact that things were broken to begin with, and that like, doesn't that suck? That it, it, the expensive has to be synonymous with accessible. That sucks. <laughs> to some degree, I mean, it requires more testing. You know, like time. That's time. You know, time is money. Um, it, but. It, it may just, it also just requires prioritization. So maybe it's, maybe it's actually like, oh, hey, our uh, tabs are bad, right? We, oh, we found that out or we tested it or we asked somebody or whatever. Um, it may be as simple as using like reach UI or what a react tab, reach UI's, uh, react routers tabs. What is it? Reach There's UI. Both, I forget which but, umbrella yeah. company it's under. Okay. Yeah. Um, reach uh, mm -hmm. UI's tabs. And and so maybe that's like as simple as it needs to be. You know what I mean? Like maybe maybe you just change the tabs under the hood and uh, you didn't have to do any development or any testing because you're offloading all that to somebody. So that could be very cool. Uh, but I, I think there's also just like, but if you're going, if it's a custom control or you have to go back and retrofit something, I just, that that does take time and money. So unfortunately, so... But I think you can also just say new work going forward is is needs to meet these criteria. Yeah, I feel even the word prioritizes like you're not if that's just how you work, it's not it's not really you're prioritizing and it's just part of the structure. It's just what you do. You know, like responsive design used to be like, how, how are we going to prioritize responsive design? And people don't talk about it that way anymore because that's just the that's just what you do. That's the how websites are built. Well, and there's so many like we're going to charge for responsive design $4,000 for, for a responsive, you know? And it's like, we don't do that anymore. You just build it. You just, that's the way you build it. So, yeah, you know, you're not upselling responsive. And then did you um, have an even wider thought here? So the, I think the wider thought, like I think accessibility education needs help. If that makes sense. Um, and maybe even Aria and maybe even, accessibility as a practice. I need to choose my words very carefully here. 
you know, you, you go to like web.dev and, and we talked to actually web.dev people about this this week. Um, uh, there's, there's learn CSS, there's learn performance, learn PWAs as courses yeah, on there. There's a couple of brand new ones. You know? Learn forms is brand new, I think. It's, it's awesome. I like, thank you. Like, I want that. But you know what's not there? Learn accessibility. Mm. Oh, yeah, I heard that. That's right. When that was shared, that was the first thing that was brought up, right? Where's that one? Yeah, it, and so I'm I'm just saying, or I'm just kind of like, wouldn't it be cool if we had that, you know? Like, if we, if we had that course, uh, that public education. You know, we do have things like the Accessibility Project, which I've helped uh, start or whatever. But um, I, I think we just need... You know, that only reaches so many people. Google probably reaches two, three, four times more yeah. people, you know, so that'd be cool. Um, but I think the problem with like accessibility as a practice or uh, whatever or ARIA is there's just a lot of nuance, you know, and I think we have to eliminate nuance. Developers and designers, for that matter, don't exist well in nuance. So you're like, maybe somebody will not be able to perceive that, you know, it's like, we just need yes or no's. And that's why you see, I think like color contrast checkers are so popular because you can just like dab that color and boom, like yes or no, you get a yes or no, is it accessible? So, but then even that is like, what's the size of the text? And is it bold? You know, like, like we, we need to figure out ways to eliminate the nuance for accessibility. Um, yeah. Some of them are easier than others. Like the color one, once you like just straight up know about that, maybe have a little testing in place or something that that's like less hard to, to not screw up. But, there, but accessibility really, there's a steep curve. There's like the easy ones, the low hanging fruit is like real low usually in accessibility. And then the, the, the complicated ones like get real hard, real quick, like focus trapping and, you know, dealing with the escape key and nested modals or something. And you're like, ah, that got really hard, really fast. There's this example of, um, this is nice, just from last month, an Adam Argyle post about, he's got a bunch of these GUI challenges things. You know, there must be a dozen of them now, but they're pretty cool. And they're pretty simple pieces of UI usually. And then, then but then the blog posts and the videos are actually really long because they're like, look at all the stuff about a component. And I blogged one recently about his split button component. And, you know, there is just a million things to consider. So it's a button. So what's the correct markup for the button? But this is a split button. So really it's two buttons. There's the main action and then little arrow that brings open a menu. And anytime you're opening and closing something, well, accessibility is like a big concern there. Like how, how does it open? Does it work in, with the keyboard? What keyboard commands can you press oh, it's a menu. Do the arrow keys work? You know, which buttons do the arrow key? And then if it closes, is it like, where does the focus return to? And, you know, there's all that stuff. Uh, just a just a big deal, <laughs> you know? And then what, what technologies are used to open it? Because there is no native HTML and CSS thing that's just obviously the one true way to make a menu. No, no, no. It's just divs and crap. And the divs and crap need classes on them. And then the classes do stuff in CSS. Well, what's the right stuff? How do you open and close the menu accessibly? I don't know. You know? And, then, and then like, okay, I got it to work for me, 
but like, oh, did you do the ARIA rolls? Because they're the ones that announce properly whether the menu is open or closed. So you got to get that going on. And then are you display nunning or blocking or whatever? Like, hmm, maybe that, aren't I supposed to just kick this off the page because display none hides the menu entirely? Or, oh, wait, do I have that wrong? You know, there's a lot of nuance to this and he gets into that stuff. And I, I appreciate that in the article. And so mm-hmm. it's not just color contrast and, you know, even the, like there's an SVG icon in there. Does that announce itself properly? And so t- building a split button component, it should just be a button, right? It should, it should be easier than it is. And it's so not, it's so complicated. Yeah. And there's stuff in here that's changed. This is brand new. So if you built one of these components two, three years ago, it's probably more complicated than it needs to be now or isn't using features that help with this kind of stuff. Now, for example, the way that Adam's split button visually opens or closes is only in CSS. Can you believe that? It uses focus Mm. within in CSS to do that, and that's it. There's no JavaScript or anything. There's a little bit of JavaScript because when focus within triggers... It changes the ARIA expanded role, but JavaScript isn't actually changing any classes or anything in which to visually show the menu. It's only powered in CSS. How interesting. Would you have written it that way three years ago? <laughs> Absolutely not. You know, so yeah, stuff changes no. under well, your feet that's as well. Probably to like make it close on blur or whatever, like focus within. Yeah. So. Huh. Yeah, Sorry, yeah. The, it's, you know, but she knows more about well, accessibility the, than we do. You know. Yeah, than we do. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I. That's my thing. Is like, how do we eliminate that nuance, and how do we kind of solve these solutions once? You know, um, and then promote the good solution. That's the other, and vet and and everything, and then it's just. Uh, one other thing, this is kind of meta thought. I, I have a blog post draft about it, but like what, what's interesting about HTML is it's very broad. Like you're like a div that can be whatever you want it to be. You know, HTML is kind of just like, you know, a heading. That's fine. You can have a heading. You can put a button in a heading. That's fine. Can you put a heading in a button? No. <laughs> but HTML is pretty like broad and forgiving for what it accepts, you know, uh, or it tries to render. Uh, but Aria is sort of the opposite. Aria is like very specific. It's like, tell me exactly what this thing is. Is it a tab? Is it a combo box? Is it a list box? You know, I, I think the 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 like goals are kind of opposite there uh aria is getting very specific so it knows how to announce things so it knows how to tell somebody that this is a button and then next to the button there is a drop down that's related to the button you know um so we may need more aria or something to express these things um and, and maybe that has to ship faster and quicker so but i don't know that, that that's um I, I, again, that's putting the like burden on the wrong people. Like developers need to take ownership of this. Um, there, there was that, um, the last episode Christopher Schmidt was on, um, uh, we we came up with the, uh, idea of like an accessibility champion oh, yeah. um, in your organization. And honestly, I love that. And I, and I wish that was like a formal title, <laughs> Just yeah, like kind of like Mel's title, isn't it? Don't you do that? Yeah. Yeah, sort of. Just like 
accessibility champion and you're on the teams, you're, you have a little whatever badge icon in your, in your Slack, you know, and people know they can ask you questions and a conflict free zone, (laughs) you know, and, you know, maybe you, you chip some work or, or whatever, but I, I wonder if that is too something we can do too, is just this idea of a, Every organization needs an accessibility champion. Who's it going to be? You know, and and the more you get, you know, and maybe that's taking a course. Maybe you took take uh, Sarah Swayden's upcoming course or something. You know, like you, you took the course, you you learned the accessibility. Uh, maybe that's it. You know, like maybe you you like did the work and you know enough. You're not a pro. You're not going to be like I'm. I'm, you know web aim, you know, or, or is it Pasiello yeah. group? You know, like I'm not, I'm not Steve Faulkner. Um, uh, but I'm definitely a, like somebody who cares about this, thinks about this and tries to do a good job. So, and maybe, maybe cool we idea. advocate for that. But so. Mel's original question is about like, what, why really is it? Like if you're, if you're like trying to root out the actual cause of why is accessibility so poorly done so often, that is a, just a great question. And it's worth, it's worth more, more thought really. And uh, I would just say, if anybody has any thoughts to please feel to send them in and we'll, we'll read them or get into it. Cause it does seem like it's easy to like, yeah. Well, I get an idea. That uh, how I responded was just like my first thought, you know, or at least you know I read the question a couple of days ago, so I've had some time to percolate on it. But I don't actually know, you know, just kind of a bit of a a guess. I don't know if anybody could really figure it out. But I think if a lot of us think about why that that's worth it's worth it's a worthy discussion. Yeah, I would also can I one more. I think you find out about it way too late in your career. Does that make like you're building websites? You're shucking react you're just bloom blasting things out and then you find out about five years in everything you built up to this point is wrong (laughs) or like not just incorrect morally wrong and so now you are guilty you're a guilty person i haven't really helped you know i i don't know that i'm personally responsible for all bad accessibility but i i wonder if i'm at best neutral, you know, like there was this time where I spread a lot of, I had this cool thought that I thought I would share with the world about people learning JavaScript and people learning JavaScript should learn how to change classes because when you change classes, you have a lot of power as a designer. So if you learned one mm-hmm. API about mm-hmm. JavaScript, learn how to change classes because just unlocks the, the keys to the kingdom for you. But you know what you can do when you change a class? You can open a menu. You can close the menu. You can make a, a carousel slide from slide one to slide two. You can you know make a header look like it's logged in. And you can do all this stuff just by changing a class. And on all those years I probably spent saying that, I didn't talk about accessibility. I didn't talk about focus management. I didn't talk about ARIA roles and what the implications of those things that you're changing in the CSS class is. Was that a net loss to the people learning that fact? Maybe it was, you know? But it's hard to, you know, it's hard to write effectively your blog post can't be 9,000 miles long. You know, no one's going to learn how to toggle a class if it's got 700 disclaimers. But I mean, I, 
I like accessibility and I glazed over an article about dialogue yesterday. <laughs> so I just was like, boring, boring, boring. <laughs> hey, but this is good. You know, I like that. You know, we're, oh, there's a demo, you know? Um, so yeah, like, I think like, yeah, it's tough. I, I think we're in a tough situation. I don't know. We should, it needs to be, again, take the nuance out. We need the nuance. All right, Chris, it, man. I feel like that was a whole hour. So, all right, let's wrap it up. Thank you, dear listener, for downloading this in your podcast of choice. Be sure to start heart favorite up. That's how people find out about the show. Follow us on Twitter at Shop Talk Show for 10, 16 tweets a month. Uh, we're doing videos now over on the YouTube. Uh, so, so be sure to like and subscribe. Ring that bell for noties over there. And if you want to hang out with us on a day-to-day basis, head over to patreon.com slash shop talk show and join the Discord. And Chris, got anything else you'd like to say? Oh, shoptalkshow.com.